Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. God, we know that people struggle during this time, and they, and they wonder. They wonder why these things are happening. God, they wonder why you, let, you seem to let certain things happen. But Father, we just want to turn that around, Lord. We want to take responsibility, God, and we ask that you would that you would forgive us for our shortcomings, God. That you would forgive us, Lord, for the mindsets and the wickedness that we have lived in, that we have allowed, that we have participated in. And Father, we repent, God. We turn from the direction that we've been heading. And God, we want to face towards you. We want to follow you. And God, we ask, Lord, that, that you would, for our country and for our world, that you would heal our land, that you would forgive our sins. God, we know that we have all fallen short of your standard. We know that we have all missed the mark for what you desire and the best for your creation. And Father, we pray right now, Lord, and and with anyone who's listening, God, whoever's participating, Father, Lord, that we take responsibility to position ourselves humbly before you and ask God that you would forgive us, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, and even speak for the church in our nation, God, that that you would forgive us, Lord God, of not being what you have created us to be and not living the way that you have called us to live. Father, not loving the way that you have showed us to love, God, that we would stop uh, doing the opposite, God, of what you came here to do, that we would stop creating distance between you and humanity, and that we would do our job as Jesus followers to bridge that gap and reconcile people back to you. Father, we pray, Lord, as, as people around the world are praying today and crying out to you, Father, those who know you, and God, probably those who don't even know you, God, but they're, they're crying out, saying words like, God, if you're real, God, we know you're real. And Father, we ask that you would open up your ears to be attentive to our prayers, made in this place, made in our hearts, made in our lives, and that you would heal our land, that you would heal our nations. Father, we pray for the nations of the world, God. We pray for China. God, we lift up Italy, Lord, that is being hit so hard. Father, we know that there's not many nations that are not being impacted by this right now. And Father, we pray, Lord, for those that are hurting and scared and terrified and that are broken, people who are losing loved ones, Father, that you would be what only you can be, that you would be a healer, that you would be a comforter, that you would be a provider. God, we know there's people who are losing jobs. There's people, Father, who are struggling financially. And Father, we just declare today, Lord, that our our hope is not going to be in what we can produce in our natural resources. But God, I pray that in this time, Lord, that we would learn to put our hope and our trust in you. God, because we know that your love never fails. We know that you're never gonna fall short. And so Father, even when we don't know how it's gonna happen, we don't know how somebody's gonna pay their bills, we don't know how it's gonna be restored. Father, we pray that history will show that today on March 15th, 2020, Lord God, that in this this pandemic that hit our globe, Lord, that the tide turned and that things begin to change. So Father, we prophesy and we speak to the four corners of our earth right now, and we declare power in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above every single name. Your word says that at the mention of your name, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that you are God. And Father, we pray that in this time of crisis, Lord, that people would cry out to you, reach out to you, and God, we know that you are not far from them. We pray for the leaders of our world, Lord, that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them guidance. Father, we pray that those that that you have allowed to be placed to positions of authority, Lord, would not use this as an opportunity for personal gain, that this would not be a moment to go at each other's throats, 
But Father, this will be a moment to come together. And Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that across our nation today, churches and people are praying. Lord, we just ask God that you would again hear from heaven and that the Holy Spirit that you have placed within those who believe. Lord, that we would operate with the Spirit of God, which leads from a position of faith, that leads from a position of power. And God, we begin to to operate and to speak and to do the things, God, that because of your name we are able to do. We thank you for your faithfulness. And Father, I pray right now, if you're watching at home, can you just take your hand and place it on your heart? Pray for yourself. Father, we thank you for every single person right now who is praying with us all around our region, all around our state, all around the nation, and wherever they may be watching from, God. And however this this season, this moment is impacting them, Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, that you would intervene and right where where they are, Father, that you would visit them. Holy Spirit, that you would move in the room right where they are. Even as we're praying, I'm believing right now that, that some of you who are struggling with anxiety, that are struggling with fear, that you are even right now beginning to feel that lift off of you. And it's happening in the mighty name of Jesus. Listen, God loves you so much. God wants you to give him permission to move in your life and to move on your behalf. Jesus, you are faithful. And we know that no matter what's going on, that we can cry out to you. We can call on your name. And Father, we love that you told us that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Father, let that be the cry of people around the world today. Through your love and through your mercy and through your grace, that you would intervene and reach out and do what only you can do for those who can't do it for themselves, God. We love you, and we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. Uh, so this is the time where we, where we take a couple, a couple of minutes, and uh, we, just, we get into the Word and something that I've been praying into this week. Uh, we've been doing a series called All About That Life, uh, The Life of a Jesus Follower. And so we're going to continue that, but obviously it's going to take a little bit of a different tone today. Uh, But we're going to go to, if you will, go to the book of Mark. Uh, It's one of the four Gospels in the the New Testament. You've got the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the first four books of the New Testament. So we're going to Mark chapter 4, and uh, and we'll read that in just a second. But I want to kind of give a little bit of an intro into some of the thoughts um, that I know I'm thinking about for today. And and I think it's important that we, uh, we not just try to do some, you know, Bible study as usual. It's important to, to take times when we're facing the type of things that we're facing right now and to be able to address them because it's important for us to know that God has something to say about what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. And uh, God is not an irrelevant God that is just based on some, you know, distant religion that, you know, we just try to be good people and do good things and live a good life. Uh, because being a, being a Jesus follower is not about what you know, and it's not about what you do. It's about the relationship that you have with God. And, uh, and that's actually for the last three weeks. If you went back to our podcast on Spotify or iTunes, or even last week, you can hit up uh, the message on, on YouTube as well. But, but we took three weeks to really unpack the three major relationships 
that are essential when it comes to being a Jesus follower and really that define what it means to be a Jesus follower. We talked about the first relationship is the relationship with God. It has to start with the relationship with God because we can't just be good people and be nice to people and that defines what it means. No, we, we're supposed to be Jesus followers who first love God. And the cool thing about having a relationship with God is that we don't have to go find him. He actually came after us. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to, to really become that reconciliation that bridged the gap between where we are and where God is because of our sin. And so because of that, we get to have that relationship with God. God's made a way. Religion says, I can get to God myself, but we know that that's not possible because all humanity is broken. So we need God to do that for us, and he already did. So you gotta have the relationship with God. The second thing that the, the next two relationships that happen, and really, if you have a relationship with God, these other two things will happen. You'll have a relationship with his church. That's so vital because you can't do life alone. It's not just you and God. God says it's not good for man to be alone. And so he wants us to have community with each other within the church. And then the, the third relationship that is vital is our relationship with the world, living as Jesus followers who have the heart of God inside of us so that we can go out and begin to continue the work and let the work of Jesus continue to flow through us. And so laying that, front, that, that framework for what we're gonna talk about today, it, I think it's important for us to understand that a Jesus follower lives in faith and not in fear. And that's what we're gonna talk about today, the difference of having faith over fear. So if you're taking notes, which we always encourage people to take notes at Convo Church, uh, because Sunday shouldn't just be uh, speaking to your Sunday. We're not just giving a talk, but what we pray and desire to do is to actually be able to speak to your Monday through your Saturday. So that's what we're going for today. And we really hope that wherever you are, whether you're here in Washoe County, in Reno and Sparks, or whether you're, you're watching from other states or maybe even other parts of the world, uh, we hope that what we speak to today will inspire purpose inside of you. Uh, we hope that it will encourage life, and we hope that it will build faith inside of you. So before we get started, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you all? Is that okay? Yes, and uh, we just want to pray that there's no barriers between what God wants to speak to us today. So if you will, bow your heads just for a second. Father, we love you, and uh, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. God, we thank you, Lord, that uh, in you, nothing is possible. So we pray that the time that we have together today from our home, from our car, from wherever we are right now, paying attention and listening and leaning in. Father, I pray that you would uh, soften our hearts. Uh, those that are struggling, God, I pray that you would just even more so be there in a strong way. Father, I pray that you would remove any barriers that may be between where we find ourselves and where, God, you are trying to get us to be. So we wanna read from your word, we wanna learn from your Holy Spirit today. And we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. amen. At home, are you saying amen? I can't hear it, but I'm, I'm trying to feel it. Okay. Uh, so go ahead to Mark chapter four. Let me, let me read this passage to you as I was praying uh, over this week, um, this one particular story, an account from the life of Jesus. It just kind of popped up in my mind. So I went there and started praying over it. And so in, in Mark chapter four, we're going to read verse 35 through, yeah, we'll go 35 through verse 41 to kind of get this full picture. Uh, in verse 35, it says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus uh, in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although others followed in, in other boats. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and, be and it began to fill with water. 
Jesus was sleeping. I don't know about you, but at that point, I would not have been sleeping. Either he was a hard sleeper, I don't know. But it says in verse 38, Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion, and the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And then Jesus woke up. I'm sorry, when Jesus woke up, it almost kind of sounds like he took his time to wake up. You ever had a friend that you tried to wake up and they just wouldn't wake up and they were kind of on their own time? I think that's what Jesus was doing. But when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Verse 41 says, then the disciples were absolutely terrified. This is funny because they went from being afraid of one thing to being afraid of another thing. They were absolutely terrified. Who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? And this passage spoke to me because we may not be in a boat on a lake with a storm crashing over us, but it kind of feels that way <laughs> when we're watching the news, when we're watching everything that's happening around us, when we're seeing the reports coming in from the coronavirus and and it's, it's new, it's literally turning our world upside down right now. Uh, there's no toilet paper. <laughs> there's, I was at Costco yesterday and where they used to have water, there's now lines and walls of Pepsi. So apparently Pepsi is the replacement for water now. Um, and I'm sure Pepsi appreciates that as well. Uh, but it, it's crazy to see the reality of what's going on and it's also difficult to fathom what hasn't happened yet, but it exists in the minds of people because of fear. And so, and I think, I think there is a word that Jesus wants to have for us. And listen, I want to make this point too. God is not trying to tell us to just stop being afraid. God's not trying to tell you to get over it. I think in this world, we see a lot of people who are on, because of their, their own life, their own journey, whether it's their journey with God, or maybe it's just their journey in life in general, people are in different places. There are some people that aren't afraid of anything. And for those that fear nothing, man, God bless you. I think that's fantastic. And there are those that, that struggle very, in a very real way with fear and with anxiety and, and because of experiences that you've had and things that have happened in your life, it doesn't take much to trigger that fear and that anxiety that I know for so many people, it just shuts you down. It just makes you wanna go into a bunker and shut yourself and isolate yourself. And, and so it's, it's very important for all of us, whether we are Jesus followers or not, to do our best to have grace for everybody else. That's right. To be okay with where people are, to not use social media as a platform to just shame and slam people who are in a different place than you are, who are struggling in different ways than you're struggling. And so let's have grace for each other. And everybody love everybody, the Jackie Moon quote, anyway, and that's, that's a different movie quote, but, um, but I think it's so important. Just let's have grace for each other. Let's, let's realize that we're in different places and, and not, not just be okay with where things are, but have grace for things to move forward. And so what I have confidence in and what I believe uh, Jesus followers and churches and people all, all around the world that are praying today is that God, that you would take over where we can't handle it that you would begin to do what we cannot do. And, uh, and honestly, that's where we find the disciples in this particular story. They found themselves in a situation where they were no longer able to handle the situation that they were in. And in the last moment before they felt like it was all about to end, they finally decided to cry out to Jesus. 
And so there, there are a couple of things here that I, I feel like we can pull from this passage that absolutely have so much relevance and application to what we are facing in our world today. And, and, it's, and it's some revelations that pop out that I, I pray our, our nation's leaders will see, that, our, that the people of our nation and of other nations will be able to see. It's that, yeah, we should be, we should be aware, we should get educated, we should be cautious, uh, we should do things that are wise, but we should not allow ourselves to become slaves to fear. So if we, if we go back to this particular passage in, in Mark chapter 4, um, I, I want to kind of paint a picture because it makes, honestly, it makes the disciples look really weak, in my opinion. It makes them look really sad. It's like, okay, they're in a boat. Jesus is taking a nap. Uh, they had actually just finished up a very long uh, ministry trip before, if you read before this passage. And, and I think Jesus was tired. And uh, he needed a nap, and somebody needs to hear that. Sometimes you feel guilty for taking a nap. Don't do it right now. But even Jesus needed a nap, so some, it's okay to take a nap sometimes. You know, Jesus needed rest, and he's on the back of the boat. I don't know if he was you know, under something or if he's literally on a seat in the back of the boat. But whatever it is, he was taking a nap, and he was completely at peace. But the disciples were freaking out. Now, one thing that's important for us to understand about the disciples is that at least half of them were professional fishermen, who made their living on this lake in boats. So this wasn't a, a small storm situation where the majority of these disciples didn't know how to handle it. Like these were, these were guys who had probably been in similar situations before professionally and knew how to handle it. So we can tell right away that this wasn't just some little storm and a little bit of waves and they were seasick and they were scared. No, this, this was a serious situation to where even the pros were scared that they weren't gonna make it out of this. And so even more, it almost makes me laugh to think about that, okay, if, I, if you can picture yourself, and when you're reading the Bible or you hear people talking about stories in the Bible, it's so important to, to not just listen to it, but try to like visualize yourself in that moment. And I think sometimes we can read stories like this and try to, try to figure out who, who, who are you seeing this story through the lens? Like, who are you identifying with? Are you, are you the disciple who is trying to bail the water out are you the disciple who's freaking out and, and jumping on Jesus, trying to wake him up? Um, are, you, are you like Jesus? It's not scaring you at all. You're just asleep in the back of the boat. You're okay. Or are you in one of the other boats that were following them, watching what's happening and wondering if Jesus is actually going to do something about it? And uh, place yourself in the story and kind of get into the mix to see what's going on. But, but here's the deal. These guys were professionals, yet they were still scared. And I think sometimes... Um, when we look at, just for example, if we watch the news or we watch other people talk publicly about something like what we're seeing with the coronavirus and, and we, we, see, we see the face of fear on those who are professionals, it causes those who, and I'll put myself in this category, those of us who are not professionals in this area to be like, man, if they're freaking out, I think we should be freaked out too. And it just begins to create a contagious atmosphere of perpetual fear and anxiety. And I'm telling you, that's never going to lead anybody to a place of safety. Fear never leads you to an answer. Fear never opens the door for solutions. And fear will never get you to the other side. And so these disciples were with Jesus. Jesus is asleep. You got to think he was getting wet while he was sleeping, which I don't know how you sleep through that. So there's rain where they were sailing through. There was historically, it's known for like random squalls and storms that would pop up. And, uh, and so, but they finally, they wake up Jesus. And it says, when Jesus woke up, 
Uh, kind of paints a picture he wasn't in a hurry, which tells me that Jesus wasn't scared. Jesus wasn't freaked out. Jesus wasn't believing the hype of what the disciples were throwing on him. Hey, if something doesn't happen now, it's all going to fall apart. The world's going to end. But it says, when he woke up, it says he spoke. And actually, there's exclamation points if you read it. So he wasn't just speaking, but basically he was shouting at the storm. It says, silence, be still. And actually, we're doing some research there. The, the verbiage in the original language that Jesus used was very similar to language that he uses when he was casting out evil spirits. And so you know what that tells me? That tells me that, you know, we can't just go around saying that everything is an evil spirit. But I will tell you this. When destruction comes, when death comes, there is an evil spirit at work within some of those things that are taking place. And I know right now when God shows up, he doesn't come to bring death. He comes to bring life. And so we know when death is trying to come into the picture, when fear is trying to take over, when anxiety is trying to take over, that's not God judging you and moving in your life. That's the spirit of the enemy of God that is working against God's creation. And so that means that you have the ability to take authority over these things through the name of Jesus. I'm getting ahead of myself because we get to that here in a little bit. So this there, you read this story, there's an obvious outcome that happened. They're in the boat, the storm pops up, the disciples freak out, they wake up Jesus, Jesus gets up, speaks to the storm, and everything calms down. But I think that there were two alternative options that Jesus was hoping would take place in his disciples. So let me me pitch those two ideas to you and see if there's either one of these can relate to the two of us. So here's the first option. We wake up Jesus first. We make Jesus our, our first option instead of our last resort. Mm -hmm. And so much of what happens in our own lives, in our own world, is when things get crazy, when things get out of control, we we, we try just about every means possible to be able to handle it, to take uh, take control of it, to to feel, well, I can get through this myself, until we get to the point where we feel like I'm about to die. Mm -hmm. Oh God, where are you? And then we cry out to God. Now here's the thing. In this story, we see Jesus giving such an, an adequate, not an adequate, such a, a, an ample uh, response of who God is. Because even when we don't call on God first, God is still faithful to respond even when we call on him last. So and Jesus got up, and guess what? He did save them. And he did, he did calm the storm. He did help them to get to the other side. But I think Jesus was hoping that his followers were, would learn and would be learning at this point to seek him first, not to seek him last. So that's one potential option. Here's another one. And actually, I think my personal opinion is that this was the option that Jesus was was hoping for most. Number two, that they never needed to wake up Jesus. Let's let's think about this for a second. Well, what do you mean? Like, don't you, you just said we should seek, you know, wake up Jesus first. It's like, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll kind of put it all together. But, But think about this. I think it's quite possible Jesus was taking his nap, he was comfortable, and he didn't even want his disciples to wake him up for this scenario. So based on Jesus' response to the disciples, um, I I do think this was the best outcome that Jesus was hoping for. But here's the thing. If you kind of study the, the, the progression of relationship the disciples had with Jesus in real time, this would have been relatively early in their relationship of being Jesus' disciples. And so they were still building a relationship. They were still getting to know him. They were still getting to believe if he, if he really was the Messiah, the Savior. They knew he was a teacher. They knew he was a respected rabbi. They even referred to him that way. 
but I think they weren't quite there yet in fully understanding exactly who Jesus was. And I'm telling you, even for you, for listening, there's something that is next level when you, by faith, begin to embrace the reality of who Jesus really is. It takes, it takes your relationship with God to another level. When you come at it with faith and not with doubt, there's something that begins to open up inside of your heart that creates a whole nother opportunity for you to understand who he is and see God work in your life as a result of that relationship. But here's the thing. Jesus was what wanted them to be confident that not Jesus would do it, what they wanted for them, but that they believed that because Jesus was with them, that they had what it took to get to the other side. There's, there's a misconception in our world and in our reality when we believe that for Jesus to be real, it means that Jesus himself has to remove every obstacle from our life. Wow. That, that if, if God really truly loves us, then he won't allow difficult things to happen. And you know what? Unfortunately, that's just not the reality. Not because God is incapable, but because some of the most amazing things that God does, he does through difficult circumstances. There are no miracles if there's no need for a miracle. There's no salvation if there's no need for a savior. God comes through when things are difficult. So God's not looking for us to live a life that is difficult free. He's not looking for us to live a life that doesn't need him. He wants our world to know that they need him and that when we call on his name, that he is faithful and he will be there. So here, that's why I think Jesus wasn't looking for them to wake him up early and to hold their hand through the situation. Jesus wanted them to be confident that he was already with them and that the very fact that his presence was going with them gave them the faith and the confidence to be who God says they had the authority to be. So here's the deal. There's, I don't know if it's, I don't know, because I hear people say all the time that, well, you know, faith isn't the opposite of fear and, you know, love is the opposite of fear. And I don't disagree with that. I just think there, there's a, a couple of words in our own English language that we use in this context that are very similar in impact. But for the context of what we're talking about today, I'm gonna to talk about how faith really is, I believe, the opposite of fear. Uh, faith actually is our, it's our action. Faith is, is our stance. Faith is our position. Yeah. Faith is where we are pointing when it comes to the things that are in our life. And so faith is what will have you move in a certain direction. Fear will have you move in a different direction. Right. Faith typically allows you to move forward where fear wants you to back up or just sit down. Yeah. And so in this season, in this moment of our world and what we're seeing around us, we don't need to sit down. We don't need to back up. We need to stand up and we need to begin to move forward. Yes. And, uh, and I know like maybe somebody's like, well, if you're moving forward, how come you're not having church at your location this morning? <laughs> I, I really don't care about that because the church isn't, isn't, isn't dictated based on a building that we meet in. Right. The church is the people, not That's the location. Right. And so that doesn't negate the fact that we need in safe environments to be able to gather together in large crowds. Acts chapter 2 talks about that. We should be meeting together as the corporate church. The Bible says in the temple, which is the meeting place that they had, as well as meeting in house to house in small places. But the cool thing about God is it says that where there are two or three people gathered together in his name, there he is right there in the middle of them. So we've got that covered in this room. I know we've got that covered with people that are watching with us and then also the church around the globe as well. But we need to understand, listen, God wants us to not be uh, uh, gripped with fear, limited with fear. He wants us to have our faith in him. Yeah. Now check this out. Faith gives God permission to do what God desires to do. Fear gives the enemy permission to do what the enemy wants to do. 
And, and I love the fact that, you know, we don't, we don't have to get Jesus to do things for us because we have the very spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead alive inside of us. So that, that's, that means that we have authority. We have permission. People who have their faith in Jesus get to operate and live at a different level, not because we're so special, but because we've taken out, we've taken control out of our hands and we've placed it in the hands of one that we know can handle it. And so when Jesus, at the end of the, the Gospel of Matthew, says, all authority has been given to me, and then later he tells us, I have given you all authority. He's talking about his sons, his daughters, Jesus' followers. So check this out. In the context of the enemy, which if, if you don't know, people are not the enemy. Uh, people that disagree with you are not the enemy. People who are living in fear are not the enemy. People that are living in faith you're not the enemy. The enemy is the devil, the principalities, the powers of darkness that are constantly at war with the kingdom of God. And guess what? If you love God, the devil hates you. He wants to destroy you because every day you remind him of what he'll never be. And so we have to understand that the devil and the enemy of God has absolutely no authority to do anything. The only authority that the devil ever gets is what you and I give him. And so when we begin to embrace the not just, I'm, I'm not going to ignore the, uh, the pandemic of the coronavirus, but when we begin to embrace the pandemic of fear, we are purposefully and unintentionally at times giving the enemy permission to do things that are going to hold us back from what God is trying to do. And so my encouragement for you today is to, is, it, it's not about willpower. It's not about gritting your teeth and getting over it. It's not about just be strong. It's about, hey, recognize that Jesus is in your boat. He's with you. You are not by yourself. And even if you feel isolated, and for some people who might be watching, maybe legally you're isolated right now. Maybe you're on quarantine or self-quarantine or whatever that may be. But I just want to encourage you that even in those moments, you are not by yourself. Jesus may be asleep in the boat, but he is with you. <laughs> and guess what? He is aware. And I can guarantee you that when Jesus was sleeping, I guess, I guess what? He was aware. He knew what was going on. Maybe he was doing one of those, ever had a fake nap where you're trying to pretend like you were sleeping and, and people are trying to wake you up. You're like, if I just pretend I'm sleeping, maybe they'll leave me alone. I don't know if Jesus was fake napping or not. I have no idea. It's not in the Bible. But what I do know is that he was present. And then when they called on his name, he was there. And guess what? It wasn't the, even though the, the disciples were gripped in fear, even though fear was not the appropriate response of a Jesus follower, God still came through. God was still faithful. Yeah. Jesus still took care of the situation. Yeah. And so, so where are we? Where, where can we learn from this? Uh, no matter you know, where you're at, no matter what the situation you're dealing with work, whether you're not sure if you're even going to have a job, uh, whether you're you know, going to be laid off or part-time or whatever's going to happen because of all the unknown, we know there's enough, a lot of unknown ahead of us. Yeah. But guess what? That's life. There's also a lot of unknown in every aspect of life. The Bible says that we're not promised tomorrow. We we, we, we shouldn't even be worrying about the things that are, are ahead of us because there's enough to worry about today. But God tells us that while it is today, we should be focused on encouraging one another. That means we're living in the moment. We're living in the day. We're, we're, we're taking full advantage of every opportunity that God's placing in our life right now, right here, so that we can experience, guess what? Experience what God wants us to experience even in crisis moments. Because there are things that you will learn in seasons like this that you won't have the opportunity to learn when things are calm. It doesn't take faith when everything is going fantastic. It takes faith when things get a little bit crazy. 
Because faith is not you believing for what you've already seen. Faith is not you uh, having an understanding because you can figure it out yourself. Faith is saying, God, I trust you even though I can't see it. We even sung about that during worship. Even if I can't see it, I still believe it. God, even if I don't know if you're there, I know that you're there. Even if I can't feel it, taste it, see it, smell it, God, you're faithful. That's what faith is. And I love the fact that there's another verse, I think you even wrote it down. Yeah, it's uh, 1 John chapter 4, 18. It says that such love, talking about the, the, the love for God, such love has no fear because perfect love expels fear. And that doesn't mean that you have to kind of get up the, the energy and the wisdom and the whatever for you to have perfect love. Perfect love is Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Good. And it's Jesus that if you will allow him and invite him into your reality, the perfect love of Jesus will expel fear. I love the analogy, and I want to do it here because I don't want to get it on my carpet, but if you had a dirty, a glass that was filled with dirty water, and over here you had a pitcher that was filled with pure water, and you begin to fill the pure water into the glass that has dirty water, and you just kept flushing, it kept flushing out, kept flushing out. Eventually, as you begin to fill what was imperfect with what is perfect, it will begin to wash it clear until the imperfections are gone. And I truly believe with all my heart, that's what this verse is telling us. That if we continue to fill ourselves and continue to welcome Jesus into our heart and into our life in the most fearful moments, in the most unstable moments, in the things that are, it's out of your control when you know you're fighting that, that, that desire to flee or that flight nature that comes in humans when things are scary. But you allow Jesus to continue to flood your heart and to flood your mind, to fill your body, your soul, your spirit. That perfect love of Jesus will begin to wash out the fear, the anxiety, the sin, the brokenness, the temptation, all the things that, that keep us down, all the, all the lies that the enemy wants us to believe. It will begin to be replaced with the perfect love of Jesus Christ. And so I just want to encourage you, hey, Jesus is in your boat. This will pass. And actually, as, as a church, and not just Convo Church, but globally, we're believing today, on this day, will mark, be marked in history as a day when this began to change. Yes. And I just, I prophesy right now in the name of Jesus that our world is right now, as we speak, is beginning to change. That this virus is beginning to, to wash away, be eradicated. Those who are testing positive will heal quickly. Those even for the elderly and those that are, have broken immune systems who are seeming like they're headed to death because of this, right now in the name of Jesus, those lives are beginning to be healed and touched. The doctors are beginning to see something change, that, that the case numbers are beginning to shrink significantly starting today. And I just pray and I believe in the mighty name of Jesus that we will see industry begin to re-engage, people going back to work, stock markets going back up. I mean, just all the things that the enemy thought he was able to disrupt and destroy, we're gonna speak the name of Jesus into absolutely everything. We will not live with the spirit of fear, but out of power and love and sound mind that comes from the spirit of God. And so I pray today that as you're listening to this, and even if, if you listen to this again later, that you will allow the perfect love of Jesus to come into your life and come into your heart and to take where fear used to be and just fill it with faith, believing that, hey, the storm may not go away, but Jesus is going to get you to the other side. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. 
Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at ConvoChurch. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.